All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. This is brought to you by Sig Sauer. I am here with uh, our good friends, Mr. Mark Bean, who's been on the show like twice in the past couple of months. Co-host. Yeah, co-host Mark Bean now. And the man, the myth, Mr. Goldie Locks, Josh Reeves. We're sitting here in Mark's trailer at Elk Camp in uh, Arizona, hoping to fill a late season elk tag. Opening day. Thanks to uh, the snake eyes over here, uh, we were able to uh, they were able to find a nice bull and a couple of cows. But at thirteen hundred yards, we didn't want to take that shot. So uh, so far, the elk are up one point versus us at zero. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the ghost hunter match. So if you're not familiar with the ghost hunter, uh, these are our match directors, Mark and Josh. Uh, the dynamic duo who I put on this match for the first time last year. Guys, you want to give us a, uh, a recap of last year and, and what a little bit of a teaser of what this year is going to be? Recap of last year. Um, it was a pretty straightforward match, just a really uh, technical match. Because we look for the best overall outdoorsman, not necessarily the best shooter. That's something we're going to strive to do again this year. I mean by that most of the, the shooting is relatively easy for precision wise, but the challenges are gonna be a little bit put your thinking cap on. Yeah. Bring her again. <laughs> Alright, so now you have me intrigued. So last year was your first year. I was there mostly in spirit because I was dying in the trailer. <laughs> we found you a couple times. Necessitated, you know, you're good to go. <laughs> Um, so unfortunately I missed the majority of the match and, and just a, a quick disclaimer before we get too far into this, we are about a bottle into the whiskey right now, but we're going to stay as professional as possible, but just a quick disclaimer. All right, guys, this is elk camp. All right. Let's be realistic here. Um, so I missed a lot of last year. I mean, I had opportunity to partake a little bit in the independence training medical class, which was a ton of fun. Um, I saw a little bit of that at the match. I saw a couple of stages, and then, like, day one, I kind of just checked out because I was sick. So, what, I mean, last year we had the independent training going on. You had a lot of, like you said, more, I guess, uh, field craft type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way. That's a good way to think of it. Um, first off, independence training did a phenomenal job. Uh, we didn't really put this out there after the course, but... One of the people who attended the course actually saved their buddy's life and or limb in a vehicle accident less than like two weeks after the course was put on. That's huge. So it's, it's wow. It's amazing. Like they, they do a phenomenal job of what they teach, and that just that just shows it right there. So I mean, we didn't, yeah. didn't want to say a lot about it because you know that's personal business. Right. That's it's they do a phenomenal job. So it's definitely worth the the extra half hour, 45 minutes, and you'll spend at the campsite Friday nights to learn from them. They do good work. Just that kind of information that you just, once you know it, it's worth its weight in gold in its, you know, situations. Well, a lot of people don't think about that, but when they go into a hunting scenario, whether that's out of a camp or backcountry or whatever type of hunting you're doing, I mean, things go wrong. They go wrong. All the time, right? Basically, you think of it this way. If everybody always wants to do firearms training, you know, from a 
instructor standpoint, everybody wants to learn how to shoot guns or play with night vision or do something, do one of the cool guy things, but your chances of actually ever using any of that are almost slim to none. Right. But almost everybody you've ever talked to has been in some type of traumatic medical scenario, whether they knew what to do or not. If, you know, been first on scene in a car wreck or watch their buddy stab himself in the leg or do something dumb, you know, right. out in the middle of nowhere. Well, we had a friend a couple of years back was a, on an archery hunt. I'm not going to mention names. You guys might figure it out if you've been in the business long enough. But he no, fell on his broad. See, he fell on his broadhead. Dude, that was nasty. Yeah. He, why do I get, why you get hit by a broadhead? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you want the animals to do yeah. that. <laughs> broadhead worked. And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of medical experience he had or, or what the exact situation was because I didn't ask him. I know he made it to an ER and, and got treated, and he's fine. And he's continued. I mean, he still hunts to this day. I, I've seen him recently uh, post some pictures. But, I mean, what a perfect example of you just falling. I mean, we all yeah. fall. It just it happens. It happens. It's that self-reliance, man. You're in the field. It's on you. So yeah. You better be able to patch yourself up and get out. Uh, absolutely. And, and it also, it helps you with being able to have more of an attitude to keep calm while stuff that's bad is going on. And that is almost just as important as knowing what to do is also not freaking out when stuff happens and being able to think clear enough to address the situation. Right. And that's, that's a big thing about it. Dude. I mean, we had a, an accident in camp today. I don't even know if you know this, Josh, but Mark was sharpening a knife and cut himself. He started bleeding all over the place. <laughs> the knife man, the knife man himself. Trying to cut his fingers off. It may happen more than all, more often than not. <laughs> all right. So independent training, that class is free to anybody who signed up to the match or anybody who's there at the match. Correct. Awesome. So value-added benefit. And I know if you are looking to do extensive medical training or firearms training, you guys, independence offers that as well, correct? Correct. Okay. Awesome. So this year for the NRO Hunter, so one of the big complaints that we got last year with the NRO Hunter in the first year, uh, not with your match, but in general, was people didn't know what to physically expect. We had some matches that were relatively short in distance, so it wasn't very much hiking or very long distances that they had to walk. We had some matches, like I think in California when we did that, we walked almost six miles uh, in total. Um, so we had different different skills or skill levels, so to speak. And this year we started trying to portray based off of match director's um, intentions, what those skill levels would be based off of um, hiking and then one based off of um, finding targets. So based off of hiking, now what would you, how would you say this is going to be for the average person? Now when I say the average person, the reason I bring this up is if you haven't met Josh, he's a fine specimen of a human being. <laughs> I'm exact opposite. Mark and I, both of us, are, are not Josh. <laughs> so for the average Joe, how how is your how is your match rated for physicality? I, you know I'm going to say it's easy. It's easy, but honestly, this is a really easy match to. Traverse because you're shooting off a ridge line for the entire match. Right. So there's not a lot of elevation change. And 
all you're basically doing is just walking down this ridge line. It's about oh, 1,200 to 1,400 yards down this ridge line that you'll be walking. And then we pick you up and we shuttle you back around right. to the front side. So physically wise, it's not a tunnel. Yeah, it's, it's all pretty flat from pretty this. Pretty flat because you're on the ridge the whole time. Yeah. Right. But we are at what, 5,000 5, or 6,000 foot elevation? 5,100 foot elevation. So, if you're coming from like this northern Arizona, Colorado, coming you know, from sea level, you're coming from sea level, like I do, it might be a little bit, yeah. might be a little bit hard on your breathing. But if and you're then, in good shape, it might not be. With that said, this match is in January up here, and as we show, came into elk camp, it was <laughs> white out blizzard, yeah. raining, snowing, sleeting, and that's condition we have to for plan for so our contingent for that is it's about a mile walk into the shooting hunting area if you want to call it that so if it does come in and storm we will have to walk into the hunting area so and that's the same thing it's relatively flat but it is going to be about a mile right if if the storm comes in because the only way you can get in is we have to shuttle people in off trailer and it's about a mile from shuttling but in the past three or four years that been at matches at never gun site. We've never had that happen. Never had, but it's just but there, there, there is that chance. Yeah, there's always that chance, right? Yeah. Okay, so physicality level is pretty it should be doable for the average shooter. Average shooter easily Okay. Now another big issue that we've had in the past is target acquisition. Mm-hmm. Right? We've had like some matches like the first year where they were hiding them like it was like treasure, right? I mean it was <laughs> It was pretty damn difficult. We had other matches where it was you could see with the naked eye, not that hard. How are you going to set up your uh, your difficulty level on target acquisition? So the first target will always be easily identifiable. That's you want like almost like a gimme target. So everybody always gets to shoot at least one. Okay. You know, so that's that's our goal. Is like when you walk up the stage, you should be able to find your first one. It's going to have a big placard next to it. That way, everybody gets a little taste of the excitement, a little shot at the action. Right. And then, you know, you have to hide some of them as well to make that separator for your top shooters to your mid-back shooters. So there's going to be, you know, three or four targets. We had one, or we had about four or five targets last year <laughs> that were extremely hard to find. And that was purpose-based. Yeah. You have to have those. If you find this, this is your chance to pull ahead of, you know, the next You deserve guys. it. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like 10% of the targets, you okay. know, and some of them are at 120 yards and they're the biggest target we had on the course of fire. <laughs> nobody found it. Or I guess three people found it. Nobody shot it. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And there was some targets that were uh, confused for other targets. No, what you're shooting at. That's all yeah. I got to say. <laughs> well, target acquisition is a huge thing. It, it really it is. is, you know, it, I mean, were shooting a stick instead of a prey dog and getting mad because they weren't getting their points. Well, and I was like, <laughs> like, like this this evening, we could have shot a dozen cattle, <laughs> right? Very easily, you could have shot a dozen cattle if you wanted to, but cattle aren't elk. Yeah. So that's not my target. Or looking javelina. Or looking javelina. At at two thousand yards. Right. That that is a thing. I mean, I I know, you know, everybody might. Complain about sometimes the price of their 
glass that they use to find things, and I understand it if you're on a budget of getting what you can afford, but, you know, it, it just goes along with be confident in what you're shooting at, whether it's on a match like this or real-life hunting or whatever. I mean, you, you really need to – Right. that's an important factor that I think should be taught. It is. Yeah, you know. It is, and, you know, like Josh uh, said when we came into elk camp, we were in a whiteout, and now today it was absolutely beautiful, you know, mid-50s. And it's supposed to be, you know, 30 and 60 or something like that tomorrow. Yeah. But it's supposed to storm again on Tuesday. And this hunt is almost a month long. It's yeah. beginning of November to beginning of December. So you could be literally hunting in a wide variety of conditions. Oh, totally. In, all in the same units, right? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty crazy. So gear is very important. I mean, we spent a good portion of last night. Um, you guys were adjusting my pack to my back to me. You know, my, I, I have a Kuyu backpack and I was complaining to these guys about how uncomfortable I was recently on a hunt because of the weight that I was carrying. And, you know, Josh and Mark were like, throw on your pack. You shouldn't be a, that uncomfortable with that much weight with that pack. And, um, and you know, I was, I was a bonehead. I didn't set it up right. And so they showed me how to set it up and explain it to me. And Let's go back to what, what happened. So I Travis, was a bonehead. <laughs> Travis and Mark went on an elk hunt, what, two months ago? No, no it was a couple weeks like ago. Two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> Mark took down a big old elk, so they had to pack it out. Yes. So with the Kuyu packs, you can set them up differently so you can pack weight with them. Well, if you don't return them to their normal settings, then you went on your other hunt in California when it was still set for, for sling and load, yeah. it didn't ride right. So then once you got here, we set it back up the way it was supposed to be and now it rides perfectly again yeah and then today i mean i haven't been carrying as much weight as i did on that the previous hunts but today it was completely comfortable no fatigue no stress it was great you can have the best gear in the world if you're using it correctly oh yeah right and you know you're talking about yes i, I made the mistake of not setting it back up correctly but even the way that i was putting it on the order the yeah. uh, putting it on I was doing it wrong because I was doing my shoulder straps, tightening those down first, and then my belt, and then my sternum strap, um, which I always thought was the right way, but evidently it's not because after you showed me the correct way of a belt, then shoulder, then sternum, it was a lot more comfortable today. So, not to get off on a tangent on gear and stuff, but it's it's, it's important. all important stuff that you guys should learn and be comfortable and confident with, and that's why you do these hunting matches. And that's and then going right back into the match, that's kind of the way you're asking people what to expect. That's the way we design our stages. Like, going back to last year, we had one stage that just really <laughs> fried people because it was a great big, easy target to see. But from the shooting area, we threw a bunch of brush up and stuff in front of it. So ranging it was a nightmare, uh, yeah. unless you know how to set the gate on your rangefinder. Right. Like with the SIGs, you can go best target or last target, or you know, a bunch of those other rangefinders can do that. But if you don't know how to transition through that, all you're going to do is range the brush that's 10 feet in front of you and get frustrated and get frustrated and mad and get pissed off, right? Because you can see the target, but you can't actually range it, right? When it's as simple as two clicks of a button, and now you're using freaking last target <laughs> and you can burn right you're using your gear properly. Yeah, it's yeah. just gear, how to use your gear. Right. But that's that's what we were trying to push with the matches. Someone who truly understands the full capabilities of their gear. 
and can use it, that's they're going to do extremely well in this game. It's going to make a big difference not only at the match, but in real world scenarios. Exactly. And that's kind of what we want to do. It's like we come from an educational background. So I want everybody to have fun, but I want everybody to learn something about what they're doing there while they're doing this. So does your educational background include Mark's math? Yeah, <laughs> it does not. All right. It might have been a little bit of whiskey. All right. <laughs> Mark's math. Hey, but just to add to that, to you, I mean, to be fair to anyone that. I feel like Josh and myself are also very realistic when it comes to matches and firearms and what we do with that stuff. We're, we're not gimmicky kind of guys, if that makes sense. We don't really play into the, the gimmicky shooting games. We want to be more realistic because we're both kind of realistic guys when it comes to shooting and, and what we do with our equipment. Um, you know, you won't see it us. We won't see it us matches with thirty pound rifles and crap because we don't believe in that stuff. Um, or you know, shooting off of bouncy balls or something like that. I mean, we're, so so keep that in mind as well. I mean, we're we're very realistic when it comes to stages and the way things are are done. Um, right. And I think that makes a big difference. It does. Now I got to rewrite a stage. Got <laughs> <laughs> right, well, the bouncy ball away. <laughs> speaking of stages. You guys are doing something really unique. You have 18 stages, is that correct, yep. for your match this year? Um, but you're doing a prize per stage. Yes. So explain that, whoever. So this year we want to do give – we always hear from sponsors and people like that. They want products going to the people who use it, not just going to the top guys at the prize table. So the best way we, could, we thought we could do that is we give every sponsor – the opportunity to give us one item, regardless of what it is, and that's going to be a random draw for that stage. So let's say Cool Bean Knives takes stage one. They can donate whatever they want to stage one, and that's going to be a random draw for everybody who attends the match to have a chance to win that. Nice. Regardless of finish. Okay, so 18 different sponsors with 18 different prizes. Yep. And so if you, let's say, at the award ceremony, I win stage five. Do I still get to walk the table in my position? Absolutely. Oh, so it's a bonus. It's a bonus prize. It's a bonus. 100% prize. It has nothing to do with how you finish. It's just thanks for coming out. I hope you win something cool. I like that. That's very cool. And, again, me being sick last year, I wasn't able to attend the award ceremony. But from what I heard, last year you guys had a pretty damn stacked prize table. We had a phenomenal table. We had a ton of support, uh, just especially from the local community. Right. Arizona itself is a really big, you know, 2A advocate. Community We've got a ton of companies down here doing work. We had a ton of support from them. I think we had I don't know probably 10, 12 FFL different items nice. on the table. Uh, well, like, and this year you picked up Axis Works as your title. Congratulations, yeah. you guys, oh, yeah. both of you. Axis Works. I can't thank those guys. Those guys are such cool people to deal with. They're just so realistic and down to earth, easy to talk to and friendly. I mean, they they're just. We sat down with them last week. Awesome, awesome yeah. side stage stuff coming. Yes. Like, they're bringing some really cool stuff to the table, like giving us some great, tons of support, like, yes. to do what we need to do to freaking really make this match. And nice. I will say that so far, uh, at this point in time, I got a lot of good response out of people. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, we try to shoot to make ourselves better, but I'm going to tell you that the price table is starting to look pretty good already. Got some killer companies step up to the plate for me. 
Well, and, and in all fairness, I mean, your match is before SHOT Show, which is when a lot of the sponsors come on board. Yeah. And we're still two months away from your match, right? November, yeah. December, and then January. Yeah. Right? So for you guys to be getting the amount of support that you get, are getting already, yeah. I think is pretty badass. Yeah, it was, it's, it's absolutely amazing like how much support we got. Yeah. We had stuff. We had rifles coming in before we even announced that we were going to have a match. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. Cool. Like, people are like, you guys run Ghost Hunter again? we got a rifle coming in. Yeah. It, That's it, awesome. It's, it was amazing. It, yeah, some, you know, there's one company in particular. Oh, yeah, you didn't even just send me an email. I already got you on the books for your match already. I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive. These guys are willing to help <laughs> us out. So thank you to all the So you must be doing something that. right. Uh, you know, we just try to do it for the people, you know, try to make things fun and, and make it happen. Uh, so yeah, I think it's important to make sure everybody has good, you know, good experience, regardless right. of how they're involved. Now, you know, the sponsors, the shooters, everything. And being a sponsor myself for some matches, it's, I feel there's a lot of importance riding on making sure the sponsors get their recognition for sure as well. You know, so I think it helps a lot. So for sure. So another cool program that you guys have going on is you're doing young guns for free with the paid uh, parent guardian. Correct. So why are you, I mean, I know you guys are both parents, but why are you choosing to do that? So we also host a local uh, precision rifle match and we do the same thing. Whereas, and it's through, you know, a fishing game in Arizona. So when we host it there, we can we can give a free youth slot. So any youth who ever shoot our precision rifle matches down here in uh, Mesa, you get free free access to that. So I mean you have to you have to bring youth in to the sport if we're gonna continue to grow it and continue to enjoy it. Right. Because sooner or later I don't want to keep doing this. I want someone else to <laughs> right. host these matches so I can sit back and shoot them. <laughs> I gotta lure someone in somehow. <laughs> right. But no, it's great. Like, uh, and then you get to like you get that family, you know, bond. You get a lot of father son, father daughter teams, you know, mother son, all that. And so it's really cool to see that come to the match. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, best way you can do that because honestly, it's it's expensive. It is. And anybody who's ever dealt with kids and kids sports, kids sports are insanely expensive yes. for equipment, and they're always growing and growing out of stuff, needing new stuff. So. This is just our way to, like, hey, you know, here's, if you're already coming, you know, bring your son, let him shoot as well, whatever it's cost. Awesome. And if you want to bring your son or daughter or, or child, whatever, and it's their first time and you don't have the gear, the NRL does have a loaner program where we can loan rifle, binoculars, tripods, basically, I mean, even ammo, everything that you might need to compete in that match. Um, we pretty much have on hand for you or can get it for you if you let us know ahead of time. So don't let, you know, equipment or gear be the determining factor because we can help supply that. And through the generosity of Josh and Mark, you know, if your parents sign up, it doesn't cost you any extra to bring your kid, um, except for maybe to feed them at night or whatnot, you know? And Josh and I may or may not have some extra stuff to loan as well if the NRL is doesn't have enough for whatever reason. So right. yeah, if, if Travis can't help you with the NRL side, I mean, Josh and I love, you know, helping kids out with stuff. It, it's, it's worth the smile on their face. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So 
Am I missing any of the programs? I mean, you got a Young Guns thing going. You've got 18 stages of freebies going around. Um, we've talked about match description to some degree without going into too deep of it because everything has to be blind. So, oh, one other program. We're Sorry. Running, we're running the uh, Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Oh. Wolf Hunt again. Yep. So, in the match description, it says bring dope for, like, I think it says 120 to 1200. Okay. So, that's purely based off the fact that the wolf last year we hit at 1200. Right. And if you guys don't know what that was, last year we did a $20 buy-in for... Uh, basically what we call the wolf tag is a poker chip. And anywhere throughout the match, if you found the wolf target, you could take your one shot at it. And if you hit it, you get put in for a 50-50 cash pot. Nice. 50% would go to you, the winner, or whoever won it, if multiple people hit it. The other 50% went to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Very good. Nobody hit it, so it ended up we donated $860 to the foundation. To the foundation. So we're going to be doing that again, but that's... That's where that twelve hundred yard dope comes in. All targets for competition purposes will be sub nine hundred yards. Okay, awesome. Now you might be asking, we do receive this question quite a bit: is why do we have t- targets, you know, out past a thousand yards, nine hundred yards at these different matches? Um, and I've told a, a few people this, but the main reason that we, you know, um, give the match directors the freedom to do that from the organization standpoint is we want people to understand what a thousand yard shot really is and what that really entails. We don't expect people to actually hit those shots. We know some people will, but we want people to understand the difficulty and stress of that shot. Um, So just a quick little side note on that real quick, right? Um, One other program. I did this last year and nobody took me up on it. I'll do it again this year. But if nobody takes me up on it again this year, I'm not even going to waste my breath next year. Come on. So, <laughs> Josh has a smile on his face. Josh, <laughs> you should be taking advantage of this. I am. I'm doing it. Oh, you're going? Okay. I'm going after it. I'm, I'm sending you to gear pants, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the match fell through, but I had to, I had to pull off the W. <laughs> Team Josh. So, last year, uh, on behalf of, of myself, the NRL, Hunter and whiskey, and, and whiskey which <laughs> we're drinking again. Yeah, that that pouring sound earlier was not somebody going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, I'm going to put up a $500 try, and basically what that is is Arizona has a open archery hunt over the counter. counter. I think out of state tags are 160 bucks or something like that. If I don't, if I remember correctly. So over-the-counter archery deer hunt, and the zones that we hunt deer that I have harvested deer in from the range are about an hour away or less, depending on where you want to go. Um, but it's any zone. It's an over-the-counter archery deer hunt. If you bring the largest buck to me at registration, only on registration day, I will give you the 500 bucks, and then we're going to cook that deer. I can. We have some stud archers too. We, I mean, yeah. we really good archers. Which is why I'm surprised nobody took me up on it last year. Because the problem is you get to burn your pick. So the archer over the counter yeah. archery is a year long tag. It starts in January. Right, but so for you to burn a tag two weeks into the year. So so if you find that monster stud, great. 
But if you don't, and you, you're taking a chance of burning that tag down when you could have came across that stud later in the year. Yes, but for people that are coming from out of state, which is what we're trying to encourage yeah, here. there is that. Who gives a shit? You're not coming back. Yeah. No. Right? I, Most I, likely. I, and I mean, realistically, the, the amount of people that may or may not bring something in isn't going to be great. So even if you brought, you know, a little freaking... 75 inch freaking <laughs> muley, you're probably gonna win it. You know, it's like you're not. You don't have to bring in a monster, but it's kind of one of those things. I mean, you are, you're all right if you're coming from out of state, buy the hunt license, get your over the counter tag, go shoot you a freaking archery deer. Yeah, come out a couple of days early, have some fun. Yeah, they're definitely out there. I mean, shit, we see them all the time. Yeah, I mean, Brittany, Brittany and I went last year to try to fill this tag, yeah. and no joke. We saw a four by four, a nice four by four. Yeah. You know, we didn't get it. We didn't have the opportunity to take a shot on it, but we saw a nice four by four road hunting. Like right. we didn't go back in anywhere. We were just road hunting because we had to get back for registration or something. I can't yeah. remember. You know, so there's that. If anybody wants to partake, if not, no worries. But we're just trying to encourage people getting out into the outdoors and having fun and That's doing it. some hunting. I'm, I'm going to buy a damn bow. <laughs> <laughs> The math on a bow is a little bit easier. Yeah, my <laughs> <laughs> All right, these guys had me a little liquored up last night, and I might have been doing math wrong, and they called me out on it. Damn it. <laughs> it's all good fun. Uh, elk camp shenanigans. <laughs> um, all right. Now, hunting. Mark just filled his first cow elk tag. That podcast... Literally just went up like an hour before us recording this podcast, and I have no idea when this is going to come out because we're in elk camp. Um, but Mark filled his first cow elk tag, so you can go listen to that podcast if you want to get into the details on that. I'm out here right now trying to fill a late season um, any elk tag, which means I could shoot a bull or a cow. My goal is to try to shoot a bull. Um, if not, I will take a cow. Uh, I'm a meat hunter, not a trophy hunter. And then I have a hunt with Isaiah Curtis in Missouri uh, later this month as well. But Josh, you have like three or four hunts coming up. Don't you something like that? So I got a uh, firearms deer tag in Nebraska. And I got a late season doe antelope tag for Nebraska. And my parents have cow elk tags. Nice. And it's pretty awesome that all the seasons overlap. Oh, so you're going to be out there for like a whole month. I'm only going for like 10 days. Okay. So hopefully I can bag all, fill all tags in 10 days. Ah, you'll get it. There's nothing else to do in Nebraska. <laughs> animals ain't scared. <laughs> but it's a good tag. It's a good time. So I'm curious because, because your family lives in Nebraska. You hunt in Nebraska as much, if not more, than you hunt in Arizona? 100% more in Nebraska than in Arizona. Why? Why is that? Arizona tags are a bitch. Arizona tags are really hard to draw. Uh, so I, I grew up on a ranch, born and raised, so I do landowner tags in Nebraska. Gotcha. Okay, so it, it's worth the drive because you get to take the family yep. or you get to escape for a little while and go up to Nebraska. My boy goes back with me and we yank out the family and we get a hunt. It's a good time. Nice. All right. And then you bring, bring back the meat here, share it with the family out there whatnot so 
you and I have been friends for many years now. We've been talking about hunting together for at least the past three years, I think. Mm -hmm. Three, maybe four years. This is the first time we're getting together to hunt. Um, do you prefer hunting in a group or solo? Well, that's a tough one. The group is fun, but I really do like solo hunting. Why? Because it's your chance to get away from everything. Okay. So I heard, and correct me if you're wrong, I'm not going to tell you where I heard this from, but I heard you're a really picky hunter. <laughs> I am indeed. I was not big enough. Literally to this day. No, it's the, it's, the, it's the joy of the hunting. You know, and that's yes. I think a lot of people know what that means as soon as you say it. It's the joy of the hunting. It's the experience to it. So it's not it's not about just going out and finding something and killing it. Right. Being being an over with, you know, it's like the worst part of the hunt is when you actually feel the tag because then the hunt's over. Right. Then it's time to pack up and go home. Yep. That's how it was. We were all sad when my hunt was like shit, opening morning we're already done and we were planning on being up there for a week. And yeah. Like, now what? I, 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 home. I called Brittany. I'm like, I'm coming home tomorrow. She's like, what happened? Yeah. I'm like, well, he killed his elk. He was, nothing so else I, to do. I can, I can understand that point of view. Is, is, so the picky aspect comes from is if it doesn't go on a wall, I won't shoot it unless it's for a meat hunt. So like your average size mule deer and whitetails and stuff like that, I just I won't shoot unless it's going to get mounted. I, I'd rather shoot like a, a doe or something. Okay. Yeah, and I usually do that on the last day because I was going to say I'm arrogant and everything like that, but with the skill set and the modern rifle systems that we're using, it's extremely easy to build tags if you're not picky. Right. So my, you might as well enjoy the hunt and hunt as hard as you can throughout the entire season. And then when it comes down to that last minute window, you know, you have the skill set and the ability and the equipment to, to fill. So what determines a meat hunt for you versus a wall or a trophy hunt? So, Every hunt's a trophy hunt until it's time to fill the fridge. So you don't go out just with the mindset of, hey, this hunt is strictly to fill the fridge? No. Okay. So everything starts off as a, a trophy. If not, then let's just get what we can to make sure the family's fed. Because well, I, mean, I know your family eats quite a bit of wild game. Oh, yeah, my family loves wild game. I mean, every year we do antelope and deer and elk and all that. So, I mean, if the fridge is low, and then, like, and the good thing about, like, where I hunt with my family and the landowner tags and stuff like that, you know, we always get, like, bonus tags, like bonus doe tags and stuff like that. So, you can have the option, like, you can fill a doe tag the very first day, you know, we can hang it and let it freaking, because we process, I process all my own game and everything like that. Right. So, we'll fill the very first day. Then you can trophy hunt the rest of the season on just fill your doe tag, or you know you trophy hunt throughout the entire season and fill your doe tag last. Gotcha. So you can do it either way. You know that's the way I do it. But shooting like a young two, three year old buck just it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do nothing to you because I mean if you're going to get trophy deer, you gotta let them grow. You can't just keep shooting you know 130, 140 last year and expect to find 180s, 190s. Well, and I understand that because in California on that recent deer hunt that I, I was on, um, in that zone, they gave out 4,000 tags with a 10% fill ratio. 
and everything that people are posting from that unit pictures of are tiny ass deer because they don't give the deer a chance to grow big enough. So they're all like deer that I know you for sure would pass up. You know, in reality, I would, tr I in my mind, I would want to pass it up, but knowing how hard it is to, to get a deer in that, I might take that shot. Well, see, that's the difference. Is like you guys are restricting them. Like, if you have the if you have two tags, and one of them is doe and one of them is buck, why would you shoot a young buck when you can shoot doe? Right. You know, if you're only going, if your only goal is to harvest meat for the fridge, you can't taste the difference. Well, I, I think I personally think young, I mean, does taste better. I just shoot a doe, put that one in the fridge, yeah. and then you know, if you find something to put on the wall, awesome. California, we can't shoot those. Yeah, you know, it's hot airs in Arizona, too. You can shoot those. But I, I wonder if some of that doesn't come from some experience, too, where you've had the opportunity to hunt most of your life and get the experience. Whereas somebody like me that's an old freaking dude that's just getting into it, I'm like, I don't care. I'm shooting whatever the hell I can because I'm excited, right? Right. And I, I know the difference between wrong and right and give me another, you know, buck or so and i'll probably be in the same boat where it's like all right i got i got it out of my system now let's go for something that's worth getting you know yeah there i think there's some of that too you know once you start getting get some big bucks underneath your belt and you're not as apt you know to shoot something small like i've been really fortunate i've got some really nice gears and you started hunting from a pretty young age if i remember oh, yeah. correctly right how old are you if you don't mind me asking 10 or 12 I think. 10 or 12 so yeah you started I mean, that's yeah. when I was old enough to hunt. Like, I still went and rode around with my dad. Right. Like, if he was hunting, I was hunting. Like, right. I remember fighting with my, getting mad at my brother. <laughs> my brother's older than me, but he was allowed to hunt before me. So, uh, I was like, that pissed me off, you know, that he got to go <laughs> hunt, and I didn't. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. Legit. Those are, it, it's good to hear other people's insight. Like, I, the, thought process be behind hunting is a little bit different for everybody. Yeah. I think a lot of us share the same common type of morals as far as what we would and wouldn't shoot, but again, they're still slightly different, right? I mean, it's, and that seems like it, I think all of us sitting here together right at the moment all agree with, we don't want to see an animal suffer, first right. and foremost. So that's where the... Uh, you know, the thing with people taking the 1,000-yard-plus uh, shots is kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, we're right. not into it. Um, and but, then we're, we're, we're going to shoot something because we want it, put it in our freezer and feed our families with it. Right. It's, it's not like we're just out there, you know. If you have the opportunity to do the trophy hunt thing and do that, I mean, that's freaking amazing, right? Right. But I just... But it, it's funny that you bring that up because right now, like, we literally, when we came up here, we had a little powwow. You and I had, you know, two weeks ago. Josh and I had a little powwow. You know, he asked me what my comfortable distance shooting was. Yeah. Right? And my comfortable distance since I started hunting has been right around that 500-yard mark. You know, yeah. maybe 600. But 500 is where I'm, I'm right. absolutely comfortable. And before I came up on this hunt, you know, this is the first time I applied for it, and I drew. And so everybody was like, oh, you know, oh my God, you got a, an any elk so I could shoot a bull or a cow. And everybody told me that this is a super hard hunt 
and that I'm going to have to shoot at distance. You know, people were saying, the handful of people were saying, I'm going to have to shoot 800 plus yards in order to get a shot off just because of the terrain of, of the units that are available to hunt. And this morning, when you guys saw that bull and that, you know, those cows, I mean, that was 1,300 yards. I'm definitely not taking a 1300 yard shot on an animal, but now I have to find, I have to come to a reality with myself of if I see an 800 yard shot on an elk, am I going to take that shot knowing that I have never been comfortable with that before, but we trued the rifle up this afternoon. I was going to say the best thing we did is we came back after the morning hunt and right around noon, we got back on the gun it up to 950. Right. So, I mean, now, it's, now we have, you know, you now you got the confidence in it that the platform... We platform have the data. Stuff. We have everything there to do it. Factory Savage Rifle smacking it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 7 seven Red Mag, factory action, barrels, trigger. Uh, it is in a, a MDT HNT uh, stock uh, with a little pulled Mark V on it. And... I mean, that thing is, is hammering. It's a, it's a great little rifle. Um, you know, and when I, I'm been thinking it over in my head as we've been lassie today is if I see, you know, a, a worthy animal at that 800-yard, you know, 800, 900-yard mark, you know, would I take that shot? And even right now as I'm saying this, part of me is like, yeah, I'm going to take that shot. And part of me is like, no, I'm not going to take that shot. So it's going to be really interesting to see if push comes to shove, if that happens. You know, if there's a way for me to get closer, I'm going to get closer. But we tried that today. We put a stock on that elk that we saw this morning, and there's no way we would have been successful unless we bumped it. Yeah, just the way the terrain was here, it was, it was the only option. We seen him at 13, and he dropped into that ridge for that draw. Yeah. And Mark, you stayed on the hill, and you never seen him come out. No. The only way we were going to catch it was in that draw, and we jumped in it. You couldn't see 50 yards, so it was yeah. basically point chain at that point. Right. That's, uh, yeah, it's very wide open spaces, uh, a lot of hiding that you just can't get the high ground on to see into. And it's thick. And it's very thick, yeah. Uh, and, and when you get up to this country, you're just like, all right, well, it doesn't look that bad until you get into the right. draws and the areas where those animals are. Um, and walk into them, and then you realize how difficult it is. Right. It, it just, it's going to be tough. But, you know, it, it's, I don't know. We'll just have to. Well, not everybody that parked me in feels on the first day. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, well, you know, that was, that was some good luck on my side. That was awesome. <laughs> to, to get that tag filled. But, so, Mark, I, I know. Your farthest shot on an animal was what, a 400 something yards, right? No, I, my coos deer was at 540. Oh, 540. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Your near coos, which is a small animal. Yeah, it's the size of a little pup. Yeah. A little dog. So, what What about you, Josh? What's, if you want to say, if you don't want to say, 440. That's your farthest shot? It's 440. So, okay, so you're, you're right in, all three of us are right in that comfort zone yeah. area of what I'm comfortable in. So, would you take an 800-yard shot on a, not necessarily a trophy elk, but a very respectable pull elk? Nope. So you just pass it up? 
It's a tag suit for you. Yep. Okay. What about you, Mark? Um, I have a hard time with having to watch an animal suffer if I don't do it right. Absolutely. And environmentals That's... play into things way more. Can I shoot a freaking half MOA target at a thousand yards? Damn right. I've done it. I've won competitions with it. Right. And an animal, I just don't feel comfortable, man. I want that 500 yards and in. Right. Like I, I just, I don't feel comfortable with watching something suffer. Um, I might act like a big tough guy, but you're not. I'm not. No, I'm you're not. not. You're soft. I'm, I'm a teddy bear, and I, I don't like to see that. So. I'm sorry, guys, to take those super long animal shots. You can't tell me that you're going to freaking poke a shot through a heart at a thousand yards versus the guts or the, you know, something that's not going to put that animal down correctly. So, no, I, I don't think I would do it. No. See, and that's the dilemma I have yeah. is I enjoy the hunt. I, en I enjoy being able to successfully harvest an animal. Mm -hmm. But anybody, you know, that, that I've hunted with, where I've ever been in the position where I thought it was a bad shot knows how sick to my stomach I get. Yeah, yeah but I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. So, yeah. case in point, I'm going to give you guys a little story. I went out and taught this class for these guys in Nebraska. And they wanted to just get into long-range hunting and stuff like that. So we talked to the course. And throughout the course, like, they, they got very good. They got some skills learned and everything like that. So come deer season, you know, I, I put them on it. They sent me this picture back and I'm like, hey, before you say anything, I shot this deer at a thousand yards. And I was like, well, that's impressive. And I was like, you know, he's like, it's perfect. Wait till you check this out. So he sent me a picture of his thousand yard target. He sent me another picture, 15 feet to the left of it. That's right where the deer was. He told me he walked out in the morning, he sat down on his picnic table, put his little five gallon bucket up shooting off his front porch, shot seven, shot eight, shot nine, shot his thousand, right when he hit the thousand yard target that deer walked up to. So he knew he had the good dope. Right. He knew yeah. he had everything dialed perfectly. Center punched and dropped that deer right where it stood. That, that's so a very situation. situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's absolutely why wouldn't you take that yeah. shot? Right. You just absolutely you just hit a twelve inch gong at a thousand. Right. Yeah. You, know, you have everything you need to do to duplicate shot so yeah take but it. i mean i just shoot out to 950 does, does that mean yeah, i take any 100 yard but shot but that's the thing well, if, you shot, if you hit that rock at 950 and then the big bull elk just walked out and sit next to your rock at 950 how confident would you be in shooting that bull i'd be confident but i'd still i would 100 take that shot you, you've already you already know that happened right, right next there to it, i know exactly where that round landed yeah the animal rocked out right next to what mm -hmm. i just shot right you're shooting in the exact same conditions I'll take that shot every single time. But that's the thing. We treat that, you treat that on a different hillside, a different environmental condition, the whole nine yards different. Right. We took the time and three of us, you know, collaborated together. We got enough experience to understand the conditions and that that rifle's doing what it's supposed to right. do. But you don't always know what weather conditions are in a different situation. And that's what, that's the big thing it is. Especially in these canyons. In these yeah. canyons. Can you yeah. You might feel the wind on you doing one thing. You might look at the glass. It looks like it's doing another thing. But down on, you know, where things are really happening, and it's doing a complete opposite thing. Yeah, you all those three different winds before you get there. So, so you just don't know for sure. And, you know, let's face it. What is the kill zone on an elk? 
a true kill zone. What's 10, 12 inches? No, it's bigger than that. It's like, I think it's like 14 inches, 12 okay. or 14 inches, something like but that. But still, 14 inches at those kind of distances, I mean, you got to really sit down and think about, you know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've got my own like little private shooting range and Josh has been out there plenty of times. And anybody new I always take out there and they want to tell me how great they are. I'm like, all right, here's a target at 900 yards. It's an 18-inch plate. Nobody can hit that freaking target first try. Right. So that's an 18-inch square plate at 900 right. yards. And, okay, if you're such a great shooter for hunting and you can't hit that big of a plate at 900 yards, don't tell me that you're going to come out and hunt and hit a, you know, vitals on an right. animal at that distance. See, right? and that's... It's funny because the exact scenario that we're talking about, which I know every hunter has had this conversation at some point, right? Who's been yeah. doing it long enough, is why the NRO Hunter is such an awesome platform. And I didn't yeah. mean to turn this full circle, but I'm thinking, no, these because, are things that we practice at yeah. the matches that you, that you guys put on, yeah. right? And, and that is stuff that is done intentional to show people, yes, it can be done with the correct skill sets and everything, but it also helps you realize that um, there's more to hunting than just pulling a trigger. Right? It's it's understanding your environment, understanding what is realistic to what you're doing and whatnot. And I think that's the coolest thing about NRL Hunter is it portrays that and lets people see that. Right. Um, and we're not trying to be jerks and make people fail. We're trying to actually maybe humble people a little bit and make them realize that People need to realize that stuff and know that they're know their limits and understand where their limits are. Right? I mean, when everybody agree with that, I mean, absolutely, you have to have to. You know, what what is your real confidence level of of what's going to happen? I mean, and I've seen Josh has won NRL match race gun matches. You know, and you're a successful uh, marksman. You know, so would you say that your skill that your comfort zone is that 500 ish mark? And I know you're a better marksman than I am. There's no, I mean, yeah. that is the fact, right? Yeah. So it's like, in, in my head, I'm like, if Josh, who is my friend, who I know is better marksman than I am, wouldn't be comfortable taking that shot, what right do I have to take that shot? Yeah. I've lost many of sodas and lunches to the Josh. <laughs> freaking little targets far damn away, but they ain't animals. They'll be steel. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, perspective it's good food for thought right yes it is totally um, so that's, that's but you did want to shoot a javelina at 2,000 yards yeah you grabbed that gun up pretty quick when I told you I had some <laughs> I told you 2k and your face just dropped <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I told you a javelina and you're like even madder yeah I was like, like ass <laughs> so think about all that stuff too with the ghost hunter match when you guys come to shoot it that's why we uh, do things the way we do <laughs> oh man, it might be a little or a big one, whatever. It's still gonna be a Halloween. It's 2000. Good times. So, well, everybody out there, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to us ramble on about hunting and uh, the Ghost Hunter match presented by Axis Works, uh, which is coming to you guys this January, the 2023. Um, Check it out if you are still able to get tickets and come out and compete. Uh, I'd love to have you guys out there. But if not, we're going to have 20 matches in the NRL Hunter season in 2023. So we have plenty of opportunities to get to one. Uh, but until then, stay safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you all to match.